at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. Okay, so Dr. Farrell Luhar is joining us via, I think it's Skype. Hello. Hi. Wonderful to see you and to be back. Thank you, Pimelo. can, Can you hear us clearly? I can hear you very clearly. Oh, fantastic. Thanks, by the way, for agreeing to do this again. My pleasure. So last week, we we were at a point where we were discussing immunity and uh, we had done a lot of work in that regard. And we were talking then about uh, supplements. I I just want us for those who, who are joining us this week, just to maybe quickly recap for us what your um, description of immunity was so that we can all, you know, get everybody on the same page. Sure. So basically, you know, the immune system is our defense. If you can think of it as, you know, the military or the army that our body contains within itself so that anytime there's a foreign, what we call pathogen, this could be a virus, bacteria, fungus or anything like that, it will then be able to activate the immune system to fight it and hopefully get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the simplified version. Um, you know, we have an innate system that we're born with, an innate immune system, and then we have what's called adaptive or acquired. This is what we get as we go through life. What develops that? The acquired well, several immune things. System. I mean, it, it starts at birth. So just going through the birth canal itself, you you will you know gain the mother's immunity. Breastfeeding has a lot of immune benefits, and then through life, as we get exposed to various pathogens, viruses, you know, our body and our immune system develops what's called an immune memory. And um, and then it brings us to the topic of vaccines as well. So vaccinations also confer immune protection yeah. to a certain degree. And so then we, we picked it up. Uh, thank you for that. We picked it up um, and, and left it last week on the issues of supplements and how supplements can assist in, in what you've just been speaking about immunity. Yes. For sure. So go ahead. I think you just froze for a second. Yeah. How, how do you know that a supplement is good for you? And, and I just want to preamble that with, I'm sure all supplements have, are well-intentioned, right? And to some right. degree are good. But I, I've also understood that not all supplements would be good for you as an individual, perhaps coupled with whatever medication you're taking or whatever other conditions you have. So how would you know, because some come from over the counter, how would you know that you are just spending money on expensive urine, maybe? (laughs) That's a really important, uh, interesting way to put it. And you're absolutely right. So I definitely share your thoughts on that, that just because we have supplements or medicines that come from nature, there is this misconception that they're safe, um, which is not true. You have to still respect these medicines or supplements because they're sending messages to the body to do something. That's the first thing. There can be interactions if you're taking them along with medications and you're self-medicating, which unfortunately a lot of us do and are probably doing more and more through the pandemic with Dr. Google, right? Um, And then of course, it's the idea that in my view, I always caution people that in the world of natural medicine, not all supplements are made equal. Mm -hmm. So it's really important to look at quality, you know, to work with um, getting your medicines or your supplements from companies that have the ethics and that have good manufacturing practices and are using good quality raw materials. Um, This is really, really important because 
two supplements coming from two different companies may have completely different effects at the same dosage. And it's all about how they were made and how they were sourced. And along with that is the idea that you've got to be taking certain supplements at the correct dosages. If you don't take them at the therapeutic dose, you will not have a therapeutic effect. Um, Each person is completely different. So you're 100% right, Pamelo. It's going to impact each individual differently based on their individual case and their genetics and their lifestyle. Is is that a simple thing as saying, for instance, because Dr. Google, as you said, you know, sometimes it would ask you questions like, you know, your height and your weight and whatever, and then voila, this is what you should be taking. Is it that simple? Or there should be a real analysis on what actually is going on with you? Well, of course, I'm going to say there should be a proper analysis because, as I said, there's so many factors involved in how I come up with you know, prescribing um, a protocol for a patient. And in my case, when I speak clinically, I could have two or three or four people come in with the same problem and each of them will leave with a completely different protocol because they're not the same person. They don't need the same medicines at the same dosage. Maybe they're taking other medications, um, allopathic medications that will interact. So I have to adjust for that. But, you know, to answer your question about supplements which work, there are definitely few fundamental foundational ones that I would recommend to people in this climate for sure. Okay, then there is the issue of absorption. I've heard this before, right? That sometimes there are people who could buy an entire basket and eat as healthy as you've recommended them to eat and yet their bodies are not able to absorb those vitamins and minerals. What is going on there? Great question. So, you know, absorption starts basically from the moment you put it in your mouth and it's all about enzymes, it's all about gut health. And gut health, interestingly, is actually where 70 to 80% of our immune system actually resides. So I know in previous shows, we've spoken a lot about these resident bacteria, the healthy beneficial bacterial um, populations that are supposed to help us, not only to, you know, help us digest foods and extract nutrients, but also to confer this immunity. So if you don't have a healthy, what we call microbiome, you've got too many of the bad guys, certainly that's gonna influence absorption. Secondly, if you don't have the enzymes to break things down, you don't have the correct stomach acid, a lot of us are low in stomach acid and we need stomach acid um, to be able to break down things. And then thirdly, I would say, you know, along the lines of um, just, again, dosing, dosages, dosing is really important, making sure that you're getting the right right dosing, and not taking things in that might block absorption. So coffee is a really good example. Oh, we all, I was going you to know, ask you some coffee. typical I've, ones. I've got my coffee right here. I, I enjoy a really good quality cup of organic coffee one a day. But I have to make sure I take my supplements away from the coffee because coffee is a diuretic. It's going to basically help you to just pee everything out. And then that's expensive urine. Um. So if you speak of coffee as a diuretic, and I also understand tea to be some teas? It, it can be, yes. The tea can be definitely with because of the tannins and the fluoride content and even the caffeine. You know, caffeine, there's more yeah. caffeine in tea. Yeah, for sure. So, so then w- when you say you need to take it away from your vitamins, in other words, the time that needs to lapse between when you've actually taken the vitamins and when you've had the coffee, ideally, what, what does that look like? 
Well, I typically take, you know, I have certain stuff that I take first thing in the morning. So I usually take that with a green smoothie first thing. And then I probably wait about an hour and then I have my coffee. And then I have other ones I take later on in the day, um, you know, between meals. So let's talk about that green smoothie. I think that's the million rand question. Let's talk about what goes into the very first thing that you consume in the day. Some people say, um, I've heard this before, you know, warm water, first, first thing you take, maybe with lemon, maybe not. Others say perhaps the first thing you do is to give your, you know, your your body a break for a while, if you can. Uh, stretch that for a bit longer, maybe a little bit of fasting until a certain time. You're talking yeah. about a green smoothie. I think for me that the key to what goes into your very first meal, I suppose, is... is <laughs> the very key to our health. I hope it is, by the way. Absolutely. And all of those recommendations you mentioned, Pamelo, they're all correct, right? There's no wrong way of doing something. I mean, I, I say green smoothie because that's what I do generally. But there are many days where I intermittent fast um, for a good 15 to 16 hours before I have my first meal. And th with that, I'll typically you know, recommend people drink a warm glass of water with lemon or a little bit of apple cider vinegar, um, you know, with some cinnamon and, or some raw honey, that sort of thing is always great. So the idea is that you want to prime the digestive system to uh, anticipate that there's something coming in and to get those digestive juices going. And for me, the green smoothie is just great because I've basically fasted throughout my sleep. And so I want to give my body all the beautiful antioxidants and enzymes and vitamins and minerals that are so highly available in vegetables and fruits. And that's the first thing, you know, when you do it as a smoothie raw, you're consuming a, what we call a live food. It's not dead. Okay, let's take a quick break and we'll also open the lines up um, and we'll take some uh, voice notes as well for those who have uh, questions for um, our doctor. And um, the lines are open on 011-714-2006. WhatsApp notes can come on 0614-104-107. SAFM values your views. Be an active citizen. Thank you so much for staying with us. I'm talking to Dr. Feral Luha, who is a naturopathic doctor, and we are talking about all things health. Um, we've been talking about immunity for the past, I don't know, we started last week and we continue in that vein. And we are now talking about some of the, the things that can assist with your immunity, supplements being something we've just been talking about, gut health. She's been talking a lot on gut health. And, and, and Dr. Luha, let's talk about you were speaking about, you know, you choose to start the day with a green juice that's going to give you all the nutrients that, you know, that you feel require required for the day, you know, sort of waking your, your gut up to say something is coming. By way of, I suppose, your recipe, what's in the green juice and why is it what you've chosen? So my green juice is actually very simple and I have to actually give all the credit to my husband because he's the one who prepares it every morning, which I really appreciate. Uh, it's quite simple, but you know, there's so many different variations that one could make, right? So we have a Nutribullet, which I absolutely love because it pulverizes the whole fruit, the whole vegetable, which is very different from having an extractor for juice, which basically squeezes out the liquid, but then all the nutrients and the fiber, which is so important, gets thrown away right so we use a nutribullet and um it, you know it's broccoli 
It's um, a handful of spinach or kale, whichever is available. Um, it's a few slices of pineapple, chunks of pineapple, chunks of green apple, mint, and lemon, and then just water with some ice. That's my smoothie. Okay, so let, let's talk a little bit about, everybody talks about kale and spinach. Why are these the key ingredients for you? They're key because all of the green leafies in particular, whether it's kale or spinach or bok choy or any of the green vegetables that are leafy vegetables, contain a high amount of some of the minerals that we need. Uh, magnesium, you know, calcium. They also contain a lot of the B vitamins of so folate, which is so important because folate, along with some of the other B vitamins, is critical for how our DNA actually repairs itself. Hmm. And so, um, of course, there's other enzymes in there. There's vitamin K and so on. And th- these are one of the reasons, you know, there's this misconception, for example, last time we spoke a lot about dairy, mm-hmm. if you remember. Mm-hmm. And um, again, there's a misconception that, no, we've got to drink dairy because that's where we get all our calcium from. But actually, there's more calcium in a cup of broccoli or spinach than there is in a cup of milk. Okay. And um, the broccoli, is it the same kind of content as well? The, to, yes, it, it is along those lines. But the other reason I drink it is because it is one of the best friends for women in terms of helping to keep hormones in check oh. because it binds excess estrogen and gets it out of the system. There's a specific um, ingredient in broccoli called DIM, diindolyl methane. And I use this a lot for women who are having hormonal issues uh, regarding things like fibroids, breast tenderness, very painful periods, you know, menopausal issues. Wow. Um, and yeah, you know, anything to do with female hormones. And I know you're a fan of hormones. We, we always link back to hormones. So this is one of the biggest reasons. And also broccoli actually helps us to turn on, turn on genes that fight against cancer. Oh, fantastic. I love hearing that. Okay, we're going to start taking um, calls, Doc. Ngosnati um, is calling us from Kimberley this afternoon. Ngosnati, thanks for calling. Good afternoon. Afternoon, how are you, Ospreme? I'm fine, thank you for calling, Gosnati. I'm good. Ospreme, I just wanted to ask uh, the doctor there. Yes. Uh, I'm using, I was once diagnosed with uh, gout, but it is not as prevalent as uh, other, some other people I know. It mm-hmm. happens maybe once a year, uh, and uh, the tablets will be prescribed only if that thing occurs again. But as a prevention measure, I've taken it upon myself to use powders that you buy over the counter, you know, at chemist and so forth. And I've got one powder that I use that I must drink every morning in an empty stomach. I was just wondering if uh, that thing that I'm using will have consequences later or is it good to use such so powders? You've got a prescription, and then you've got a powder that is the, pres- the prescription was for a particular period, gotcha. just to reduce the acidic uh, medium in the blood. But when it's done, they will no longer give you. So I took it upon myself just to buy maybe a powder that I will use, but not necessarily because there there's a gout reaction but just to keep the acidic uh, medium in my blood low. So I was wondering if I use these substances, what 
without any doctor's prescription, will they have uh, a long-term effect? How long have you been doing this uh, self-medication for? Uh, I've, I, I've just maybe a month or so because I saw an advert on the TV of a product that I wouldn't want to mention. <laughs> Now, uh, so so uh, they said it's an alkalizer or something like that that you can use to reduce the acidic medium in your body. So I've been using it, but you have to take it on an empty stomach mm-hmm. every morning. So I, I was just wondering, are such products maybe, you know, recommended, especially if there's no reaction in your body? How have you been feeling while you're taking this uh, self-prescribed medicine? I don't feel any negative impact. In fact, I think psychologically I feel good that I'm doing it. <laughs> Maybe it will prevent any future reactions. Was that a, like a, a 30 minute long infomercial that you were watching? <laughs> Which, <laughs> no, it was it, so, it wasn't. So, so somebody it paid a lot of money. I, I guess so. I guess so because it, it is I'm very joking. much attractive. I'm, very, I'm, I'm really joking, Kosnasi. Let me yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dr. Luha, are you, can you hear us? Are you on a better connection? Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. Thank you for the call, Kosinati. So I am actually familiar with such powders. I kind of have a feeling probably which one he's referring to. Um, Look, definitely from a preventive point of view, there are lots of things that one can do. So with gout, it's an increase in uric acid, right? And, um, you know, you've taken the prescription medication. I would like to think that you have tested your blood levels again to see where are your uric acid levels. If they're still high, uh, but better than before, then I think taking an alkalizer for a short term is not a bad idea. But if they're within normal limits, then I would caution against using something like this long term, because as I said, you know, yes, we want to have alkalinity in our blood um, and we can do that with the lemon water, with vegetables, with, you know, a lot of the green foods that I'm speaking about and preventing high acidic foods. Primarily, the two that come to mind would be meat, red meat in particular and alcohol. Have right. You, so have you that, been eliminating that in Gosanati? Uh, have you have you done that as well? Yeah, I, I have checked uh, on veggies that you can eat from time to time. I have cut on my acidic, uh, not uh, I mean, uh, soft drinks and so forth. Uh, I wouldn't say so much about the meat, but I I I I don't have any reaction. To me, it's something that occurs maybe once a year. Or maybe once after one year, six months. But now because I have that in mind and when it happens, it, it happens with such excruciating pain. I was thinking maybe these uh, powders are things that you can use over the counter just to uh, reduce the acidic level. But I haven't, I haven't also uh, tested my uric acid level. All right. I tell you what, can I ask that we pause um, for the headlines and then I'll be back with your response, Dr. Luha, and then I'll be taking more of your calls. I see them and I see also your voice notes. So let's just take a quick break with uh, Utsi Lesaku for the latest in headlines at 1.30. You're listening to Pimelo Mutine on SAFM.
Dr. Ferial Luhar is our naturopathic doctor and we were discussing immunity. Ngosnati was um, on the line before the headlines. And Dr. Luhar, I think you may have heard um, some of the issues that um, Gosnati had. Your response to that? So as I said, yes, um, you know, I would have to know what is being taken. I'd have to look at the actual product yeah. and I would recommend that he uh, periodically check his uric acid levels to first determine, you know, if they are normalizing. And then I would recommend that he do other things uh, to alkalinize the blood and he can take, he can continue to take the powder, but I'd have to first check and look at his individual case because some things are not meant to be taken long term. Okay. Um, Erastus is calling from Woodbank. Hi, Erastus. Hi, good afternoon. Hey, family, I don't know whether I'm on my way out or something. Look, I start my day with uh, three, four glasses of water. But first of all, I will mix the water with your citrus soda and drink and thereafter follow with other three glasses. I don't know if that is okay. I do it twice or thrice in a week. And another problem here is I cannot eat one thing two or three days in succession. You can have chicken, whether you grilled or whatever. I eat it today, tomorrow I can't. But when it comes to veggies, I'm quite okay with it. But the major problem is with fruits. If I eat an apple, maybe there's too much sugar, it's too sweet, and then there'll be like something on my throat, like a stubborn flame. You take a soft drink or juice, whether it's 100% or whatever, there will be this stubborn flame on my throat and I can't use ACC 200 forever. Can the doctor please advise? Okay, Dr. Luha. So I just missed the last part on that. What What he, is it the advice that he wants? He, 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 he's also concerned about the fact that if he, took, if he takes fruit or something that has got a bit of sugar, juice or anything like that, he's talking about a flame. Did you say a flame, Erastas? stubborn flame on my throat then i had to use something like your acc 200 and so forth to get it removed uh, okay okay go ahead doc right so again we'd have to figure out where that's coming from um but i am actually more curious why the citric soda daily three times a day Nochal. yeah i use it three times weekly in a week why a week i i don't know i just use it i don't know now that I was getting into the area, I thought that might be also dangerous for me. So how, like, how long have you been doing this? Arastas, how long have you been taking years, citrus soda? Yes, four or five years. Yo. Okay. And how yeah. much of it? Just just uh, by way of of measuring? Is it a teaspoon no, or a spoon? That's a, just, just a teaspoon and a half uh, a glass of water. Mm, okay. Okay, so, you know, again, we've got to figure out why um, you would be taking something like this and how it's impacting your body, because it's not it's not natural. I don't believe it's natural. And it's usually used for specific cases. So that could be part of what's happening. It could be part of why you're having this weird reaction when you're having um, fruits and, and sugars and things like that. But essentially, you know, if you're drinking warm water with lemon first thing in the morning, that should help a lot. Uh, I would maybe try that a few times. If you're doing that already, then then that's good. Warm, hot water, as hot as you can take it, is probably best. That usually helps to resolve these kind of phlegmy situations. You know, even herbal teas like green tea would be good. Yeah, green tea I do, and I also use ripos tea. Yeah. So, um, I don't, I think... Probably try, try not taking the citric soda for a week or two and see what happens. Okay. I was going to okay. ask you, Rastas, if we asked you if not to take it, would you, would you stop? Would you stop? 
No, I will stop. I will stop. <laughs> like the doctor has already advised, I'm stopping now. Stop. Okay. <laughs> Let's see how that goes. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Okay. It's a date. Huh? When you come back, Doc, uh, we want to speak to you, Erastus. I'm worried about the Tito Soda. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Martin, you're calling from Cape Town High. Hi, Pumela. Great. Thanks for a great show. Thanks. Um, I've, I've just got a um, um, cold water, a water, what's called cold water urticaria, which has just developed this year. And it seems to be some sort of an allergic reaction. And I, I was just wondering whether uh, your guest could uh, comment on what the possible causes could be, because I'm, I'm not an allergic person at all. What is that, Doc? Urticaria is basically um, the formation of hives or wheels on the skin. It's mm-hmm. kind of like a very itchy rash. Mm-hmm. Um, and it can happen when in response to, like Martin said, some kind of allergen, uh, whether it's in food or in chemicals or the environment. But uh, some people actually have urticaria if they're exposed to heat or cold as well. So interesting that it's only started this year. There must be something happening with the immune system uh, because this is going all the way back to an immune response that has become a little bit dysfunctional. That would be my first thought. Okay. And I mean, it's just uh, what I mean, I love swimming in cold water in Cape Town and it's just like, uh, you know, my body just swells up. Right. Yeah, we'd have to do a little bit more investigation into why that's happening and looking at some of your immune markers. Maybe, you know, I would recommend doing some blood work to try and figure out uh, what's going on. And then that way, you know, you can identify where it's coming from and then hopefully treat it. Um, Obviously, trying to stay away from, you know, exposure to cold is, is difficult. But if you can minimize that, that would be good. And um, if you're not already taking something like vitamin C, or even quercetin. I don't know if you've heard of quercetin. It's uh, widely no. available in, in onions and garlic. Uh, these are okay. things that I would recommend that you take more of, but you, ha- you might need to take quercetin as a, as a supplement. And what that does is it stops something called the mast cells uh, that release histamine, and that's what creates the urticaria. So that's kind of a beginning you know, for you to explore, but you would need to investigate it further. And can you spell that uh, quercetin or quercetin? Quercetin, Q-U-E-R-C-E-T-I-N, quercetin. Okay, I'll You might even find it in a combination formula together with the vitamin C. Okay, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Great Martin. Show. Thank you. Tabo in Kimberley, good afternoon. Afternoon, Pimela and the doctor there. Afternoon, Katabo. Thank yeah, you for calling. Look, I've got a similar problem with the guy that was calling earlier about uh, sister soda. Mm-hmm. But but I, I think I've discovered something because I, I got very worried when this thing didn't stop. Because the reason I was taking citric soda, I always had that edge, like I want to, to, to pass urine, you mm-hmm, see. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. some nurse advised me, no, you must take citric soda. But mm-hmm. then... You know, I went to, to, to the doctor because one of my friends said, no, man, I've got diabetes, so that must also be diabetes. And then I went to the doctor. doctor did the urine test, and he said, no, I don't have sugar. I've got no infection whatsoever because some other nurse was saying, no, it's, a it's an infection. urinary tract infection. So the doctor said, no, it's not urinary tract infection. It's not diabetes. 
So I was left with no option, but I'm taking hypertension medication, chronic medication. So the doctor said, no, because I was taking one in the morning and another one in the evening. He said, I must see which one is causing the problem. So I stopped using the one in, at night, so I'm only taking one in the morning. But the problem persisted. Up until this time, I decided, let me see what I'm eating might be the problem. Because I discovered when I take coffee, anything with caffeine, anything with spices, anything with uh, soda drinks, all those things kind of triggers that problem because now if I don't take those things, I don't have that problem. But the reason I'm calling now is out of nowhere, like now this just afternoon, mm-hmm. I was sitting in the car and all of a sudden I feel that edge and I didn't take any water, I didn't take mm-hmm. any of those substances. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it comes out of the blues, but I think I've managed to control it by eliminating some of the food out of my diet. But I want to hear from the doctor because yes. one friend of mine who's also a doctor, he said, it's abnormal because the body must be able to, you know, get rid of some of this waste in the body. So mm. uh, he finds it very strange that uh, my body cannot tolerate certain things, you know. Yes. So I want to hear from the doctor what might be the problem. Tabo, have you stopped taking the citrus soda? Ah, no, I'm happy. You know, I've got piles and piles of citrus soda at home, but it's just sitting there on the spirit glass. I'm not using it, <laughs> you know, because my diet seems to be healthy okay. now because I'm not taking coffee, I'm not taking alcohol, I'm not taking soda drinks, I'm not taking caffeine and spices. So I kind of know what kind of food triggers it. But okay. my concern is now, like today, I didn't take any of those things, but, you know, for, for an hour or so now, I feel that edge and I okay. didn't even drink any water this right. morning. And mm. maybe one last question. When was the last time you had this this urge? Up until, well, I just had it like an hour ago. Y- yes, but, I'm saying you know, before that. Other than that, I haven't had it for quite some okay. time now. Dr. Yeah. Luha? You make a great doctor, by the way, Pamela. A very great, great assistant. A great <laughs> assistant. <laughs> no, I, I wanted to say that too. I think Pamela is a very good doctor. Psychology is <laughs> <teaches> everything. <laughs> Go ahead, Dr. Luha. I would like to know, first of all, how old are you? How old are you, Tabo? I'm 43. Oh, 43. 43. Okay. So when you were speaking, the first thing that came to mind, because I think what I'm understanding is that you're having these urges to urinate. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. First thing that comes to mind is, is prostate. Mm. So, you know, the prostate, is a gland that um, all men have. It sits very close to the bladder, and sometimes the prostate gland can start to enlarge, especially as men get older. Yeah, if I can I just interject, if I can just interject, I've done the prostate test uh, where they put the finger in that area. So that was about a year ago. So they said there's no prostate signs, but mainly continue. Okay. But yeah, I just wanted to say I've done it. Uh, it was just a physical examination. So yeah. Sure. Yeah. So that's good. And I mean, you're still quite young. You know, it's usually something that occurs in men um, over the age of 50. But, you know, genetics do play a role. There are some people who might end up having prostate issues earlier. It's just one of those things that happens with age. So I would maybe go, you said you had the test last year. I don't know how long it's been. Maybe have it rechecked. You know, um, there are some other tests to check for just your bladder function, kidney function that you should probably have checked as well. Get your urine analysis done just to see what is happening in the urine in terms of, you know, is there an infection? Is there blood in there? Is there glucose in there? I know you said that you had a check for diabetes and and it was fine. Um, But 
it does it is a little bit suspicious that you're having these urges to urinate and you need to take something to to be able to do that um, mm. so I would just do the workup first and then you know are you drinking are you hydrating quite well yeah I do I do maybe half a liter a day or sometimes a liter the other question is this hypertension medication could it be a possible uh, culprit for that it could be, it could be, but um, again, there's so many different kinds of blood pressure medications and they all have different side effects. So that's something you'd have to definitely double check with your prescribing doctor. Um, mm. But, you know, I would say that because there are things like, for example, I mean, I'm just giving you this as an example, but you'd have to certainly check it with your doctor. Um, dandelion tea, so tea coming from dandelion root um, is really great at helping also to um, to urinate and it might be something you could try you know um, to see how that helps you but uh, mm. for me my first thoughts are there's something with the prostate or the kidneys that needs to just be ruled out maybe tabo yeah. kidneys um, is not a it's also a good st- place to start as well since... yeah because that i don't know what test must they do now for the kidneys because i was checking something earlier that has to do with the kidney stones and all that. But they recommend similar type of uh, remedies like hydrating, exercising, yeah. you know, all that kind of thing. But yeah. what what test must one do to check if the, the kidney is in, what, in a good way? Yeah, your, your, doctor will, your doctor will definitely know the test, but I would first start off with what I said before, the urinalysis. So you basically urinate into a cup and then it's checked. Um, mm. And then the kidney function test, they're actually called KFTs, kidney function tests. So mm. these would be things like your, you know, GFR, filtration rate, your BUN, your creatinine. I don't want to, you know, get too technical because I'm not sure if you're familiar with the names of the tests. But most, I mean, every doctor and every lab will be familiar with the batch of kidney function tests that need to be carried out. Mm-hmm. All the best, man, Tabo. I don't right. think Thank you should. Much. I don't think you should relent. You see, you you seem fatigued by by all the tests. I think keep going. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks very okay. much, Elspimela. All right, Tabo. Let's take um, some voice notes that are, that are coming through for, for Dr. Luha. Uh, good day, Elspimela, and to the listeners of SAFM. This is Anonymous from Cape Town. I just want to ask the doctor there um, if there are symptoms or signs that you can uh, pick up to see that your acid levels are, um, are going to, to harm you now. How do you know that you your acid levels of reason to levels that are going to be uh, harmful. Thank you. Okay. Dr. Liho, you spoke about um, acid levels in the gut and that often actually we have lower acid levels in the gut. He's saying how do we know whether they're too high, too low, or just, just right? Right. That's uh, very interesting. So just let's keep in mind, first of all, that the acid levels in the gut is very different than acid levels in the blood. Yes. We want we want the acid levels in the gut, in the stomach, specifically in the stomach. It's called hydrochloric acid. We want that to be quite acidic. So it's looking at, you know, somewhere in between a pH of like two, two to three, something like that. Okay. Um, whereas in the blood, we want it to be the opposite, which is the alkaline. So that would be anything above seven. And so it depends, I mean, you know, with the blood, you have these strips that you can buy from the pharmacy that you can test with your urine to see where your acidity levels are as far as the blood levels. But for stomach acidity, it's something that you have to go and see your doctor for to, to just carry out, you know, a couple of tests. 
um, and, and to see. I mean, basically with me, if I suspect that there is an issue with acidity, um, I, I have a, certain things that I will do with the patient to try to figure out whether it's too much or too little acidity. I just want to say, though, that conventionally speaking, most people are on what are called acid blockers because they are having acid reflux and their doctors believe this is because there's too much production of acid in the stomach. And so they take what are called proton pump inhibitors to block the acid in the stomach. The naturopathic point of view is actually quite the opposite. We actually believe that there's not enough acid. And so this is you know, a place where there are differing views. And so the approach is different because for me, acid reflux is a result of somebody who might, whose body's really trying to produce acid because they just don't have enough. And so then the approach will vary. So depends if we're talking about stomach acid versus blood acid. Okay, I think let's pause there because I've got to take a break because I think there is uh, there's an important lesson there around distinction of what to test and what is wrong with one being low or, or too high. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. All right, we continue our conversation with Dr. Feria Luha, who is a naturopathic doctor. Um, we were speaking before we went to the break, Dr. Luha, around acid, um, just because we had that, uh, that voice note that came through. So you wanted to make a distinction between acid in the gut and acid in the blood. And that you uh, prefer that in our guts we have more acid and that the, the acid in our bloodstream is lower. Please distinguish the two for us. Okay, so the acid in our stomach, which is called HCL or hydrochloric acid, it needs to be very acidic because this is what breaks down the food and helps us to basically assimilate and absorb foods. And back to the question you asked previously, you know, vitamins, minerals, and so on, all of our, our supplements. So it needs to be very, very low. So when we look at pH, if I can just give a quick you know, um, mm. lesson about it. pH, uh, right in the middle, the neutral pH is seven. Okay. When you go below seven, you start to become more acidic. When you go above seven, you start to become more alkaline. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the gut, in the stomach, because the HCL is what's responsible for helping us to break down our food and absorb it, it needs to be very, very acidic. I okay. would say somewhere around two or three. And so we have to support this acidic environment. And we end up having issues with acidity because we're eating foods that are basically blunting the acidic production and or there's a a sphincter, there's a little muscle between the stomach and the esophagus, right? That the tube, our food goes down. And that sphincter, if it it starts to lose its uh, strength, the contents of the stomach are going to start to um, travel upwards into the esophagus. And that's what people that complain reflux. about when they, they have heartburn or they have acid reflux, ah. right? So in order to keep that sphincter from becoming weak, your hydrochloric acid needs to be very acidic. Hmm. On the contrary, our blood acid levels need to be alkaline above seven because any if we have too high blood acidic levels, we have problems which we've been hearing from listeners today, gout, you know, uric acid, all kinds of anything ending in itis, inflammatory problems, arthritis, 
I would say all the way up to cancer, is, is one of these things that is a very big contributing factor is too much acidic blood. And, and then how then do we manage that? So the acidity in the blood that is too high, how do we manage that by, by way maybe so, of diet? So as we said at the beginning, um, the, the, wa- the whole point of drinking lemon in water, mm-hmm. uh, maybe we can touch on that mm-hmm. a bit, is partly because lemon um, is really lovely, gentle detox for the liver and the gallbladder. Okay. But more importantly, the way lemon is metabolized once we drink it, it actually alkalinizes the blood. Okay. All right. Okay. And then the other way is your green leafies, all your green vegetables. This is why vegetables are so important because they also alkalinize the blood as long as they're not overcooked. And then how then do we get your acidic um, levels higher in your gut? What, what would we eat there? So lower, you mean? Um, no, I know it's confusing. The, no, no, no. The, the gut acidic levels higher. So remember I was saying, yeah, I understand what you're saying. I think, but remember the HCL level is, is the pH is very low. Yes. Low means. Yes. So the number acidic. would be lower. Yeah, the yes. number would be lower. Okay. But I understand what you're saying. Um, so my approach, which mm-hmm. would differ from the allopathic approach, is uh, before a meal to drink a warm glass of water with a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. It should say raw or with mother on the apple cider vinegar. And you need to drink that about a half an hour before you eat. And what that does is it starts the acid production and it helps it to become more acidic. Hmm. Okay, I've got one more uh, voice note coming through. Yeah, hello, Pimelo. This is Hebisa. Wow, what a good show. I think I'm one of those who need it because I have gained so much weight. Like, I have gained about 30 pounds and I'm really struggling. And I'm over 40. You know, my metabolism is very slow. I've tried everything you can think of. I've, you know, taken blood. I bought the book, Asian Right for Your Blood Type. It's really not working. I'm not. I've been fasting as well. I have an app where I fast. It's really not working. I've got all those teas where you say you detox your body. So my question is, what is the best way to detox or to cleanse your system? And um, actually to clean your gut, because I feel like maybe my gut has some sort of a bacteria. Hence, there's a blockage of me not losing weight. Thanks. Sure. That's a sad, sad voice note. Go ahead. Yeah. Very common, very common, um, especially for women. So, you know, she touched on a very, very important factor, which is gut health again, right? We know that if you've got an imbalance of the healthy bacteria versus the bad guys, then these are people who generally will become overweight, um, are obese, and have very, very difficult time losing weight no matter what they're trying. So that's one angle. But, you know, I would go back and say hormones, hormones, hormones. We've got to check what's going on with all the different hormones um, to figure out if there's an imbalance there with the, with the sex hormones, with the thyroid, with insulin, because as we spoke about so much before, insulin resistance can cause weight gain as well. Um, and the stress hormones, right? If there's a lot of stress going on, cortisol is also going to get people to pack on the pounds, especially around the abdomen. So. Um, I think it would be really good, you know, for her to, again, for me, my approach is always, let's first figure out where the problem is. Mm -hmm. And then it's a target 
approach. Then I treat where the imbalance is. I don't just throw everything at somebody and hope that I, you know, I get yeah. it. Yeah. So I think I think doing some testing is very valuable here. And um, I I also conduct a test. It's a functional medicine advanced test that actually looks at all the different bacteria and viruses and yeast and pathogens in the gut to tell me which ones are out of balance, mm -hmm. and then we can correct that. Wow, a what a show. Thank you so much for your time. Um, so the good news is that we, we've got a, a contact uh, details for Dr. Luha. So you can email her at dot l-u-h-a-r at gmail.com or you can visit her website drluhanaturo.com that's dr l-u-h-a-r n-a-t-u-r-o dot com thank you doctor bye bye my pleasure thank you so much have thank a good you. one thank you that brings us to two o'clock let's go to Utsi Lesaku for the latest in SABC News